I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. This week, we're talking to New Mexico Senate Majority Leader Peter Wirth. We'll be talking about how he is approaching this year's 60-day session of the New Mexico Legislature. We'll take a look at many of the big ticket items lawmakers are discussing as they set about crafting an historically large budget. One worth described as larger than any New Mexico lawmaker, living or dead, has ever seen. Totaling $9.4 billion in recurring spending, an 11.9% increase from the last fiscal year, there is no shortage of ideas on how to best spend that money. And that doesn't include the one-time non-recurring funds that will be doled out this year. Unlike 30-day sessions, which happen in even-numbered years and are focused nearly exclusively on the state's budget, 60-day sessions allow any legislator in the House or Senate to introduce any bill they'd like. As a result, many are pitching their ideas to address some of the state's most pressing issues. Education, public safety, early childhood development, bail reform, water conservation, and energy, just to name a few. We'll talk to Majority Leader Worth about all of those things and more. We'll also talk about the state's land-grant permanent fund, sometimes referred to as the Rainy Day Fund, which has long been closely guarded by legislators, though that may be changing. Well, maybe a little, anyway. Worth, who has served in the legislature for 19 years and in the Senate since 2009, currently serves as the vice chair of the Senate Committees Committee and is a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Tax, Business, and Transportation Committee. This week, I'm grateful to have Senate Majority Leader Worth joining us. Majority Leader Worth, thanks for making time to join us today. Uh, Happy to be here. What do you think are the most important issues that need to be tackled in this 60-day session? Well, in a 60-day session, first of all, uh, under our Constitution, uh, any member can introduce any bill. So we're going to see a wide range of bills on all kinds of issues. Having said that, though, there certainly will be kind of key priorities, and I'm happy to talk about those. Uh, I think it's important to start any discussion about this session with an acknowledgement that the revenues we currently have, the new money, uh, is unlike anything any legislator has ever seen. And that means any legislator living or no longer with us. It really is a once in a generation, you could say, but really it's more than that. It's once in the state's history have we ever seen revenues like this. And that, of course, provides incredible uh, opportunities uh, for the state, both in terms of recurring programs and also use of the non-recurring money, that of course being one-time money. And so there will be a lot of discussion 
kind of right up front about how that money gets allocated and specifically what's recurring, what's not recurring. I want you to dive into that a little bit more. Can you talk a little bit about your ideas on spending or investing this historically large budget? I can. So I think I'm uh, very encouraged that the Legislative Finance Committee, which is a group of legislators, bipartisan House Senate that meet uh, during the interim and put together the legislature's version of the budget. Uh, and then the Department of Finance and Administration, which is the governor's version of the budget. The two budgets that are going to be presented uh, here during the session are, are really close uh, in terms of recurring dollars. And so, you know, you see budgets are, are kind of documents that demonstrate values and, and where we are uh, as a state and where we as a legislature think we should go and where the governor thinks we should go. And I think there's a lot of similarities that are in there. A couple of things I will highlight that are going to be the, the key lanes that we discussed during the session. One is tax reform uh, Two, public safety. We had a big press conference yesterday with the governor, and I think you're going to see that woven into the budget discussion. A lot of discussion uh, on the education front and extended learning. Uh, both the Legislative Finance Committee and the governor uh, believe there should be additional school days to the tune of about $200 million uh, in recurring dollars. Those are the types of big kind of priorities that are built into the budget. And then the final thing that I'll just highlight as a as a real priority that I'm working on is the issue of water. Uh, just this morning, I presented a bill to put $250 million into our water trust fund, which is a permanent fund um, for water projects. And boy, with all this money, it seems that water should always be at the top of the list and it, it doesn't always get there, but I'm going to do everything I can to keep that discussion going. You uh, kind of touched on education. We are still kind of working to deal with the Yazzie Martinez ruling. Do you anticipate any legislation this year to address that? So I think built into these big policy uh, goals of extended learning, for example, are always the underlying requirements. And I want to stress this. This is a constitutional requirement that we satisfy uh, the court's findings in the Yazi Martinez case, which requires us to provide a sufficient public education. So I think the answer to that is this is something that since that court decision is ongoing, will be ongoing, and you will see a variety of legislation in the education arena. And underneath each of those bills is the lens of of adequacy and making sure that we are complying and getting funding to at risk and the other kind of targeted issues that were part of that lawsuit. It used to be that the uh, land grant permanent fund or the, the rainy day fund was almost entirely hands off, kind of the forbidden fruit. Is that still the case? What's what's your sense? Well, uh, thanks to the voters uh, in this past election cycle, uh, they overwhelmingly, I think 70% of the voters made the decision to take an additional distribution uh, from our permanent fund for early childhood education. And uh, one thing that's often overlooked 
part of the distribution also goes for K through 12 for Yazzie Martinez and other issues just that you were, were highlighting. So those are recurring dollars coming out of those funds. I've supported that for many years. Uh, I think it's it's finding the right balance and we are blessed to have these incredible permanent funds, but I also believe that it's important to put that money to work. And it it has been providing an absolutely important portion of the education budget for years with the changes that were just made through the constitutional amendment. We now have some additional recurring dollars and you're going to see those going to both kind of early childhood and K-12 targeted specifically to Yazzie Martinez. In an editorial, the Albuquerque Journal recently called this the state's latest and possibly last boom cycle. What do you make of that? You know, I've, I've served in the legislature for 19 years. And during this time, I have like to say I've ridden the roller coaster of the ups and the downs. Uh, extraordinary opportunities the first four years in the kind of 2005 to 2008 window, then straight off the cliff. And I can remember very well when, you know, we were completely out of money. I think there's a good argument we were writing bad checks. So it does seem that we've been on this unbelievable up and down cycle and we're at a peak like we've never seen. I think it's to be determined kind of how long this is going to last, what direction it goes. Uh, I'm encouraged that the budgets that have been presented, I think, strike the right balance uh, in being proactive, but fiscally responsible on the recurring front. And then I think you're going to see something I mentioned up front, uh, the non-recurring money, uh, the model of the early childhood permanent fund created by uh, Senator Smith and Senator Doreen Gallegos. Uh, Senator Smith, uh, of course, was a longtime chair of the Senate Finance Committee and Representative Gallegos is one of the Las Cruces legislators. Um, they created this fund in 2020 with $300 million in non-recurring money. The idea being that it would then spin off dollars for early childhood. That model of having a fund that's created uh, and spins off money, I think you're going to see more of that. I'm actually carrying a bill with uh, Senator Neville uh, to create a funding stream for land conservation funds, uh, different programs that we've created over the years that need recurring revenue. And so I think you'll see some of that happening within the the budget framework of non-recurring money. And the reason that's important is that that will smooth, you know, smooth the bump when this does go the other direction, which it certainly will at some point. If you got a, a gimme where you were guaranteed a unanimous vote of approval, what would you ask for? What's what's on your wish list? You know, I think that I, I mentioned water and one of the things that we have to do is ensure that we are being proactive when it comes to water. The Texas v. New Mexico lawsuit, uh, it looks like it's headed towards a settlement. That's going to require everyone, especially down in, you know, southern New Mexico, in, in, in sure. certainly the Las Cruces area below Elephant Butte Dam, it is going to require major changes uh, in the way things have been done when it comes to pumping um, and 
kind of how water's been used. And so if I could do anything, I think it would be really to get the resources, not only dollars like what I had this morning in the Water Trust Fund, but get the resources to the state agencies that have the responsibility of, of, of our water policy, certainly the state engineer, the Interstate Stream Commission, being able to get those boots on the ground to have the the bodies to be able to implement the funding, uh, which we need to provide. I think, again, that would be what I would give a shout out to with an, with an asterisk and a caveat, of course, that there are so many other issues. I mean, education, it just feels like we have got to keep working to kind of pull ourselves out of the bottom of all these lists. So that would be another huge priority. Yeah, I was recently speaking to uh, Superintendent Ralph Ramos here in Las Cruces. And when it comes to extended learning, um, extension of the classroom learning, as they call it, Las Cruces really seems to kind of be leading the pack when it comes to uh, districts around the state. I agree with that. In fact, I was just meeting with some teachers here in Santa Fe who were pushing back uh, and have some real concerns. And I actually have heard the story of what Las Cruces has been able to do and the types of things that count for extended learning. It's not just in the classroom. Uh, It's really giving children a, a broad range of different experiences that can qualify for extended learning. So this is a this is an important discussion and you know one that uh, I obviously am going to listen carefully to my constituents here in Santa Fe but having a, a template and an example uh, like what's happened uh, in Las Cruces uh, we all look at that now kind of rapid fire uh, talk to me about some of these other hot topics let's start with bail reform So I think uh, as the sponsor of the joint resolution in 2016, uh, we did away with money bail, which was unconstitutional. Uh, There's just no question about it. And we created a system where we were able to hold dangerous defendants before that constitutional amendment passed. These dangerous defendants were out uh, on the street with a bond. uh, But I think, since the amendment we've been able when a prosecutor is able to show by clear and convincing evidence the dangerousness uh to hold those defendants so i still believe this was a very important step that we took creating rebuttable presumptions prior to a trial and changing the burden of proof has real constitutional issues and to Uh, be clear that would that would put the onus on the defendant rather than the the state. That's right. Everyone knows you're kind of innocent until proven guilty. And the burden is on the state to prove that you're guilty uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's what we all, you know, lay people have heard that many, many times. So this would basically propose to change that burden uh, and put it on those who are accused uh, to show that they're not dangerous And I just think there's real constitutional issues with that. Having said that, I know I'm a member of Senate Judiciary Committee, and we're going to have a big discussion on Friday about the Arnold tool, which is used in uh, Albuquerque uh, by judges to determine when someone's dangerous or not. There may be things that can be done to that tool to tweak it that would really help. Uh, Senator Cervantes yesterday in a press conference with the governor 
highlighted that not all parts of the state are having the same type of problem that exists in Albuquerque when it comes to to public safety and crime. Uh, But we are very cognizant of public safety being front and center in this session. And I think you will see again a comprehensive not only discussion, but packages of bills to address that issue. What about the reproductive health clinic plan for Las Cruces? I fully support it. It's a question of funding, and I think that's a priority of the governor's, and I think you will see that in the budget. Talk to us about bipartisanship in this session. You know, I'll I'll say this. This session has a very different feel um, than the last two years. Legislating through COVID, wearing masks on screens was incredibly difficult throw into that uh, a redistricting session, a gubernatorial election, and- Yeah, uh, tensions tensions were running a little high. That's exactly right. I mean, things got pretty heated. Uh, I just, I've been working with Senator Baca, who's the minority leader in the Senate. Uh, We work very well together and just really trying to have uh, a tone of of cooperation, bipartisanship. You saw some of that in the governor's press conference on public safety yesterday, Republicans and Democrats. There's a lot of things that we can agree on. And it's always been a tradition of the state Senate to work uh, in that fashion. And that's certainly something that I've always, in the seven years I've been a majority leader, it's very important to me. Uh, And I think people want that. Uh, Everything has gotten so toxic and, you know, you feel that toxicity from Washington kind of invading here in our state. And I'm just encouraged this session now that we're back in person, able to sit down face to face, have the discussions we need to have that we can really focus on, you know, making New Mexico something to be really proud of when it comes to the way our legislature works. We, we should note we're recording this on Thursday, January 26th. And I think that there was uh, quite a bit of bipartisanship uh, present at this morning's governor's prayer breakfast. That's correct. Uh, I actually uh, was honored to introduce the guest speaker. And I think every morning in the Senate, we do have a uh, an invocation. And I always talk about it being an opportunity to take a pause and remember why we're doing this. And, you know, the thing about this process, it's very easy to get, uh, you know, so focused and so bought into one specific program or idea or bill. And, you know, and when it doesn't go your way, you can really start riding an up and down uh, that's hard to manage. And I just think it's, it's those moments to stop and remember why we're all here and the privilege we all have to serve in these positions. Um, And that certainly wasn't indicated at the prayer breakfast um, with the words from the governor and the archbishop uh, and the speaker this morning. So it was a it was a it was a good moment. That kind of takes us into budget compromises. That's the name of the game. Basically, you've got a legislative finance committee proposal and and a DFA proposal. They're both presented to House Appropriations and Finance. That committee will choose what direction to go, which budget to take, or some combination of both. Uh, Then it comes over to the Senate, and we kind of shape it and work on it. It it involves lots of compromise, and already there's been multiple meetings with leadership and with the governor kind of working on what that framework is going to look like. But you're right. This is um, 
this is where you know there's there's different ideas and different visions and not everyone gets everything they want but at the end of the day i think uh, we're going to come up with a good product for our state and uh what about security in light of the solomon pena arrest well i'm happy to say that um you know two years ago we finally got guns out of the capitol uh that makes a huge difference we used to people are really surprised to know that you know you used to have long you know rifles and and sidearms in committee hearings in committee hearings and so i think from a safety standpoint that's a huge huge plus uh we have the state police here and obviously we're monitoring monitoring things on a day-to-day basis but feels very different than two years ago when the building was locked down and we had fences around the whole building and national guard out front so that was uh, right after january 6th that's exactly right. That's exactly right. At the height of COVID. So again, obviously safety of, of not only the members, but you know, the public and all those who participate in this process, they need to feel comfortable. This is kind of the people's building and it's just really, it's a good feeling to be back open again in person. What about serving minority communities? There is no question that the equity lens uh, is something that we should and we are kind of putting on every decision we make. Uh, I know, you know, the, the wide range of environmental bills that will be seen, figuring out how those impact different communities where environmental uh, issues oftentimes end up kind of having the most impact in, in, you know, communities with the least income and those that don't have the resources to move or to be able to fight it. So I, I've always looked at things through that lens and, and that'll continue. Is there anything you'd like to add, Senator, that we haven't talked about? No, I just I just will end with this. Uh, and I really encourage uh, folks to participate. Uh, I know that uh, coming from Las Cruces to testify in person is a hard thing to do. We do have Zoom options for public testimony. Uh, Check in with the chairs of the specific committees you want to testify in front of. Uh, I know in Senate Judiciary, you need to sign up. Uh, There's a process described on the legislature's webpage, uh, www.nmlegis.gov. And I just encourage people to come. I always say to my constituents in Santa Fe, You can come right onto the Senate floor before we gavel in and see me. Uh, The lobbyists have it figured out. Uh, I just want to make sure the public knows this is their building. And, you know, we're looking forward to working with them to do a lot of good things for our state. Thank you again, Majority Leader Worth, for your time today. Happy to do it. Take care. You too. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks a bunch. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Reporter's Notebook. We also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about, well, about how we report stories. You can find all of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A huge thanks goes out to Senate Majority Leader Peter Worth for joining us this week. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. 
You can also find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at The Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.